0: Uh, welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, podcast number 16, uh, with your new host today me, uh, Joe Calder. So it's my first time uh, doing the podcast, so so go easy on me. Uh, we've got three bits of uh, good news today. Uh, first of all, Ross Bennett has been kicked off the show, which is good. I think he's been doing it there for the last five or six weeks, uh, which means we can focus on the GAA again. Only joking, Ross. Uh, the second bit of good news is we've got the return of um uh, guest, sorry, not a guest. Host today, uh, our CEO, the CEO of Deeley Sports Science, uh, none other than Kieran Deeley. Uh, fresh from paternity leave, uh, Kieran, and, and gardening leave as well. So,
1: <laughs> thanks, Joe. Spent all my time on out in the garden, anyway. And if, if listen, if you hear a screaming baby in the background, lads, you, you know it's little Caden. So it's not much I can do about it in this room.
0: <laughs> Great to have you back here, um, you. and most importantly. Uh, a guest today who we've been trying to get on here for for you know the last uh, for the last while we've been lucky enough to to get him on today. One of the uh, great intercounty managers, uh, football managers of the of the modern era, uh, Turlick O'Brien.
2: Very welcome, Turlick. Thanks very much, lads. Nice to join you. I don't know where you put me that one. One of in the modern era. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Water me up.
0: Exactly. Hand over and fit things on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, just before, just before we go into, uh, into the, the questioning with Tarlik uh, just a quick word from our sponsors RIPT, that's R, capital y capital P capital T.app uh, It's a platform that connects coaches with their clients and athletes It helps you create individualized program, workouts it uh, delivers them to an app where your clients and athletes can view their workouts and have the support with exercise technique videos. Uh, They can record your workout, training load, and well-being data so that coaches can monitor their progress and optimize performance. It's also a great tool for strength and conditioning coaches involved with teams or working with individual clients. Uh, We'll also be using it uh, to run the DSH online coaching, which we've launched recently. Uh, We've also a special offer uh, to our listeners, so if you want to head over to the DSS website, uh, you'll see a link to sign in. And the great news is you can get a two-month free trial of the platform. Uh, so, so thanks very much to our sponsors. Rit. Um, okay, so just moving on, uh, Tarlik. Um, just to introduce you there, you, you've uh, had six years as Carl manager. Uh, some of those highlights when you when you took over in two thousand and fourteen, you had a famous win over Kildare to reach the Leinster semi final. Uh, you were able to live with um, for sixty minutes. You were able to live with perhaps one of the greatest teams uh, that have ever played Gaelic football, Dublin, in two thousand and seventeen. That was even with 14 men. And probably probably your greatest achievement was when you won promotion for the first time in 33 years, 2018, uh, for, for Carlo. Uh, welcome on the show, Turlick. Thanks,
2: Joe. Yeah, with a few great years, a few uh, fabulous uh, highlights there, as you mentioned, and I a few low, low points too. Like, but, but it was a great time to get involved in football in Carlow. And uh, it was a great feel good factor about Carlo football, not just in the county, but outside the Carlo as well. think everybody kind of got behind us and uh we relished it really you know the players responded to that and um look we went on a great journey and um you know coming from a county with a very very low profile that we would have had and and the lack of success and you know really i suppose we came from a very very poor base really like we were bottom of division four in 2014 you know really bad year for us another another really bad year for us really and Football was at a very low, low point in Carol. Um No one had much hope for the future. And the county chairman at the time was Michael Meaney. And um, Michael appointed me. Um, and I know he said at the time that if this didn't work, that Carlo were going to go back and play junior football. That, that's how low it was at the time, you know. And uh, it's hard to believe that now, like, but um, it was a true reflection of how things were going at the time, you know. So, yeah, we, we picked up from there, like, and. Um, it was slow, it didn't it didn't happen overnight. Um we, we made incremental progress. As I say, we were last in division four there in two thousand fourteen with a horrendous scoring difference. You know, we we're getting well beaten in games and um, we just didn't seem to know how to go about the about the job, you know. Um, but slowly but surely we, we, we addressed some of the issues, you know, and uh, we I think we were Mid table the following year and maybe fourth of the year after that. So it was slowly coming together, like, but um, yeah, look, I suppose I always felt that we had good footballers, decent footballers in the county, and um, I based that on, I suppose, being involved in club football. And uh, I was manager of Aero for a good number of years. And um, when we would go to play teams in other counties, invariably we'd, we'd beat them, you know, no matter what level we were at, like, we would have played. A lot of the top teams uh we always look to play the best. We go to Dublin, play Kim we go to Kerry Glass and Stacks, playing the Rangers. And you know, I suppose and one of the great learning things that I got at the time and the players in, in the club got, but it opened up a whole new mindset for us. We had a training weekend in 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 uh, Lockery College in Tyrone with John Morrison, and we spent a whole day on the Saturday. Uh, brilliant, brilliant day. Uh, John was a huge influence on me, um, massive influence on me. One of the best coaches, i say, of all time, and one of the most open, generous, uh, honest people you could meet. He shared everything he had with everybody and uh, he made everybody feel like they were the most important person in his life, quite honest with you. He used to ring me, or I'd ring him nearly every every day, every second day at least. Uh, when I was managing Aero and into when I was managing Carlo as well, but we went to Lockery anyway, and we had a full day coaching, tactical training with John on the, on the Saturday. Stayed in the college that night, where lads were exhausted, and we had a session planned the next day for them, but they didn't know what it was, and we got in the cars and we headed over to Lavi, and Derry were in the other end, quarterfinal or semifinal at the time, and the Aero club team played Derry in the practice game. And that was a huge, huge uh, learning opportunity and opportunity for, you know, for for seeing just how good it could be. Uh, Derry were trying out their game plans. We were trying to contract them. And it was a massive, massive uh, learning occasion for me on the field, like with the top Derry players at the time. And um, we held them very well, actually, for a lot of that game, you know. Uh, we had only 16 players by the time we were finished up on Saturday. The lads were exhausted. and. Uh, So that gave us, I suppose, as a club, great belief in ourselves, and uh, it certainly reinforced for me the fact that, you know, the footballers in Cardinal are as good as, you know, what's in other counties, and we just need to get ourselves organised, we need to prepare properly, Uh, we need to take it seriously, which we hadn't really done at inter-county level for a long time, and uh, that was kind of the start of it, but as i said to you I really felt that the footballers were here uh, and we had had a very good minor team there that reached the into final a lot of those guys were still involved with the, with the county senior setup and they were very very loyal and uh, through all the bad days they stuck with it you know that was a really really important part of it as well that these guys you know you know you'd often see county players dropping off things aren't right there's just harmony in the camp county borders seem to be conservative or negative and not behind the team and the results are going against you uh, people are in your ear telling you why would you bother waste your time going in there uh, would you not stay with the club and you have a chance of winning something all this type of argument going on in the background I, but those guys stuck with it you know um, so I suppose I say we we we, we, uh, we made incremental improvement year on year there and um, slowly but surely as was the belief came you know and uh, we got to a certain point I was a I suppose I would have been known to coaching and uh, managing at the same time, and it became too much, really, you know. Um, We'd reached a certain point, maybe, where we had made some progress, and uh, we needed to change it up then a little bit, you know, and um, I had got friendly with Stephen Borger then um, through, it's actually funny because Stephen and John were contributors to Gaelic Life, and they're on opposite pages. And I used to buy it online every weekend. Uh, I always read that. It's great, it's a great paper. It's a great GAA paper. For anybody involved in the game, Gaelic Lake is a fantastic resource for everybody. And uh, So the coaching columns were obviously to look forward to every weekend. And once I had John a lot of time time working on the mental side of the game and Steve on the other side working on the session planning and game 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 development, I suppose. And, uh, so he was running a coaching clinic anyway in aid of school funds, for Saint. St. Columbus in Kilkeel and I would have taken a trip up there a few years in a row there to see see what he was doing like you know and I was almost taken by his personality to be honest with you because when it started out it would have been mostly down clubs were involved in it and uh, you could see the I suppose the temperament in him as well. You know, he he uh, he loved to raise the lads from the other clubs and Kilku and Boran, whoever was there. And uh, I liked that in him. You know, uh, he was able to have the crack with the lads and get across his coaching points. And I was very impressed with him, to be honest with you. And I felt I think it was 2016, or so, I said, if I don't get this fellow involved with us, he's going to get involved somewhere else, and I'm not going to get the opportunity. So. This was, was the year we played Cavan in the qualifiers, um, Stephen Cavanagh, he took a couple of sessions before the Cavan game, um, we we uh, we were playing, it was in Kingspan, Breffley Park, I remember, and um, we put up a decent performance, you know, after a slow start, I think we were 1-1 to no score down, after a few minutes, everybody was saying this is going to be a, a you know, a whitewash, Cavanagh had beaten our man, I think of John Tyrone that year, I think, and lost the replay and uh, not a lot of household names on their team at the time, top class footballers. But we held our own actually, and we had a goal to celebrate before half time, and uh there was nothing in it really for, for a long way through that game, you know. So um he had certainly struck a chord with the players when he came in, you know, and um I said after that, like I'd like to get more involved in the following year, you know. So that's kind of where it took off with Stephen, you know. So
1: Tur- Turlock, it, it's interesting because Obviously we, we were involved with London at the same time as yes. we were involved with Carlo. Yeah. And it's it's funny you say because in two thousand and sixteen, I suppose at the end of the season in two thousand sixteen, Stevie Poacher came in with you. Yeah. And you you lads beat us over in Ricelip at the beginning, the second game of, of yeah. the yeah. which you scored four goals that day. That's right, that's right, and, yeah. And I and I felt that and that was the first time I met you actually. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember feeling that, you know. Carlo was a county that we could turn over you know that we, we were thinking that well this is a team that we can beat and and even though we lost I felt well over the next year two years whatever this is a team that we can we can get to win and for London a win is everything as, as you know but in 2017 and Joe will probably come on to it when when we got to win I felt like, well, this is a different Carlo team now. This is a serious Carlo team, and you had your game plan. And right, we we got over the line on today, but I just felt there was something brewing there, Joe, wasn't there? It was like there was something brewing in Carlo, and and yeah, there was something coming, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: I, th- I think you could kind of see it that day. I think one of the things that we we kind of picked up here, you know, as as you know, coaches, us maybe analysing when we came to analyse Carlo teams. You know, a lot of people might say they were defensive, but in fact, they were very well organised at the back. Mm-hmm. That's one mm-hmm. of the things mm-hmm. that we picked up, when, and we yeah. kind of knew that every single player knew what their role was, and every single player knew what was happening, and, and that was kind of more your launchpad for attacks, rather than somebody simply saying, they're just a defensive team.
2: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. You know, and Stephen wasn't with us, actually. I don't think was with us that year in London. We scored no. those, those goals. Yeah. Uh, we scored three goals in the first half. Things three, three. We scored in the first half, yeah. and this looked very, very easy. Here we are in Rice. Rice was it was a it was a bog at the time. Yeah. Before it was done up, and it's fantastic mm. now. But uh, we were closing, and uh, I took I couldn't see us getting near us. But we we just barely got over to the end. Uh, I remember that, yeah. And then the following year, you know, we really, you know, we we you tripped us up into the following year. Really, like you know, with that win in Carloy. like you know, and. Yeah. Um,
0: it was just the second game of the league. That's
2: California right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were really, really uh, positive about the, the league that we were going to get promoted. We would have got promoted. You, you, you deny this promotion? that year, you to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> it was that was a really that was one of the low points going on in It Really was. Uh, we we couldn't see ourselves beaten that day. But the thing about London, actually, kind of mirrored us in a certain way. London, you could see London were very organised. London had a game plan. This was very obvious in, in the in the last few years. That London have, have been playing to a game plan, They're very 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 well organised, and were no pushover for anybody, you know. And uh, really, you probably should have pushed on that check. Was that the year you were playing all the games away from home? Was it? Yeah,
1: was exactly, it first year? Yeah. Yes. And, yeah, And and it was it was the year to it was the year when we had the chance against Leitrim in championship and. We we were we were winning and they got two late goals to turn us over and and I I remember I always felt afterwards if we had a got over that day it might have been a different thing over the next couple of years you know yeah, yeah. and it put us back a few years yeah, um, yeah. but you, you were you were I mean to keep the focus on you guys you you like you had a brilliant year then in 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 2017
2: didn't you from we there from, from that London we game yeah we did we did yeah yeah we uh, were third in the league that year and. You Know as I say, we, we, we would have been promoted. I reckon, you know, if we beat you, I think we would be promoted. Um, then we had played Wexford in the last game of the league and we beat them well. Uh, Banty McEnany was at Wexford that year. Um, I've been known a good few club games in Wexford that time too before the championship. And, um, again, this is where you know I always had this belief in Carl because I always felt Carl football club football was very good. Uh, the top three or four teams of the were very good but I've been down to a good few games in Wexford and I saw the standard in the, in the club which I thought it was very poor and yet it's a huge county Wexford and, and it's obviously a big dual county as well but they can obviously get a county out of it but the, the, the last game in the league anyway they Kind of changed our team around a good bit, We we hammered, we hammered them, to be honest with you, you know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, they were confident. We were playing them in the championship. We're going to do it again, but uh, we went to to in the championship as well to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. They got a few consolation scores at the end of the game there to to get close to us, like you know, take the bad look at the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we were on a we were on a bit of a roll then. We knew where we were going. Like we, we had perfected our go- our game plan, and, and the perception was that we were we were just packing our defence. Like, and it wasn't that at all. Like it was it was much more than that. We were actually one of the top. Sp- top goal scoring teams in the country um, and to the league we with we one of the best uh, scoring averages I'd say across the four divisions but yeah it was the, it was the basis for launching our, 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 our attacks as well we were a counter-attacking team and uh, we were very very well organised Stevie brought a lot of organisation that way to us you know and managing games was was a really big part of it you know and um, obviously Dublin was the next was the next outing in the championship you know and Sure, the whole the whole country had us written off like you had no hope it was why are you in the championship you're you're you know you're just running ruining football by by contesting these games with with the likes of Dublin, you know. So yeah. um we didn't see that we're quite honest with you. We were you know we were we were we weren't we were naive either. We knew if Dublin got a got a run on us that could that could bury you like but we felt that if we could play our game and uh, not allow Dublin dictate uh how the game went, that we had some chance, you know, and we used every trick in the book really to quite honestly to, to disrupt Dublin and to stop the game and uh, you know you know if you know Dublin to play at their at their pace, um, you know they would run over, you like but you you stop you, that. You, you frustrated them
0: that day, uh, big yeah, time Tarlick. Uh, I did. think
2: I think you were only four points
0: down with maybe fifteen minutes yeah, or so to right. go. And I think Brenton Murphy maybe got a red card. Yeah, uh, yeah, at one true. stage, and that's uh, true. you know, you're, you're able to live with them there for, for oh, did, yeah, men. yeah. So they,
2: had, they, had, they never got a look at goal, uh, right through the game, like you know, there was no goal chance for them that game. I think, I think it was the only game that year, they didn't score a goal. Um, yeah. certainly, it was one of the toughest games that I had that year. We we, we didn't look out of our depth whatsoever. Um, I think a lot of people were shocked and started to really take serious note of Cara at that stage, you know. Um, there was some performance, and uh, then of course. We got a great obviously a great belief out of it too, like and we were heading for Rice then, of course, playing Elet's game. Again. <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, our paths crossed quite a bit, like in a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Six years, you know, and yeah. uh, it was always a tough a tough a tough task to go to Ricel and win, especially champion. there's something we hadn't done before. We hadn't had not done a championship in London uh, before, yeah. you know. So that point of year was new for us and you had a decent enough uh, record in championship in, in Rice Lip like, you know, and so it was always a banana skin. and uh, But a win, any, you know, once you get a win in the qualifiers, you do get huge momentum back. And yeah, we, we got that. We got we got over the line just just about um, 12 How How,
0: how important, uh, Torlach, was it to keep kind of the players grounded? You know, after that Dublin game, after that really good performance against Dublin when you're coming over to play in London next in the qualifiers, you know, was it important just to make sure that the players didn't uh, become yeah. a little bit arrogant? Was that difficult to achieve?
2: No, it wasn't really. Like, we, we, I don't think we got lost in one of ourselves, you know, because as I said, we, we were actually quite confident in how we were set up, how we were playing before we played Dublin at all. And uh, we felt we could give a good account of ourselves against Dublin. We really, really did though, going into the game. And that's the way it turned out, you know. Um, I suppose probably the best time to get to Dublin would be in the first round. and um, They probably weren't back training uh, that long uh, you know, they probably would have been on, a, on an extended break, uh, but you no, know, they were. They were. They were. The, the bunch of players we had were so easy to work with. Like you know, there was no egos. Well, it was one or two maybe, so I uh, but they were very grounded. Like you know, and they were very clued in. Uh, the fact we had you guys next in the qualifier was a great opportunity for us. You know, you can get a run out of qualifiers, and suddenly you come in the in the, in the last eight. In the country, like so, uh, it was a great draw from that perspective. Here was a team that we could have beat, and I'm sure they felt one could beat, they could beat us as well, and, and that's how it turned out. So, uh, you know, it's it's in the qualifiers, as I say, you can get if you can get a good draw, um, mm. it can make a huge difference to the team development, uh, to your season. And you know, you guys had on mulligan too that year, and uh, <laughs> Bugsy. yeah, 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 and you know, sure, uh it was it was uh, it, it was a bit a bit going to the dark one to the right before for for a challenge of game like and, yeah but, yeah uh, you've done a great job in the stadium too by the way you know it's fantastic uh it yeah, fantastic. certainly
0: it it good. certainly looks ah oh, like yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, definitely local. the pitch and all is perfect yeah.
1: Joe, Joe yeah. Was the, we can thank uh, the chairman our esteemed chairman for putting that up personally <laughs> 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 paying for it out of his own back pocket terlock Tur- i i i often wondered how integral a character like um, uh, Sean Murphy was because uh, here was like one of your best players who seemed to kind of really flourish in the system that you, you had in midfield and like from what I could see was a brilliant character, a selfless character, would just get on with it and do do the job and like no ego at all. And to play the the tactic that you had where you defend together, you attack together and to have such a big motor and engine, you, you needed a kind of a leader like that.
2: Yeah, well, Sean was a unique individual now. Um, mm. Sean, Sean didn't follow any game plan. <laughs> You couldn't give Sean that instruction, you know, really, like, uh, you let him play his own game to a large extent, you know, he's yeah. a freak of nature, uh, lovely, lovely fella, um, very, very quiet, modest guy, hardworking, coming from a farming background, and uh, he worked really, really hard at home, uh, it was true about him uh, shearing sheep the morning at a Dublin game, um, he was really, you know, he was just a man mountain-like, you know, really, and yeah. um, and his first love probably would have been the hurling at that stage when he came in with us. Right, and Our hurlers were going very at the time. But yeah, uh, I had him at under 21 level. And Tommy Wogan with me had him at under 21. And we had a very good relationship with Sean. Uh, Sean, as I say, was a very quiet fella. Um, very innocent in many ways. you know, A real country chap. Um, we had a huge regard for him. And we could see, I mean, we often joked, uh, Marcus Lawler here is one of the fastest Irishmen of all time and he's uh, my sister's nephew. Um, we often joked about setting up a race between himself and Sean Murphy who was the fastest man in Carlow. <laughs> uh, but he was, he, was, he was a freak of nature, you know. Um, yeah. It was a question of, you know, if Sean got the ball, you know, make space, let, let Sean go with it, you know. And uh, I thought one of the most iconic moments of all was that game against Dublin when he, when he, when he raced back and he, yeah. he, I think he dispossessed Dean Rock, I think it was. It was right. a fantastic tackle, you know, near-arm tackle. it was yeah. absolutely classic, you know. But he he's a fella that got a lot of hardship in games. Um, teams targeted him, you know. Mm. Um, he didn't get protected by the referees. And he got more and more frustrated as the years went on because it's, it seemed to get worse, uh, yeah. you know. Um, this is one of the annoying things about officialdom, you know. Um, you can yeah. see it in front of you happening. To do nothing about it, you know. Um, yeah, he he was
1: he was the one that we feared most. Now, so when yeah. I, I sorry, along with along with Brodrick as the scorer, but like Brendan Murphy was a, a is and was a brilliant player, but he was a, a a conventional player. Whereas Sean Murphy, like what do you do with a fella like that? You, yeah, you, I remember you tell our players that stay with him, there needs to be a second man, there needs to be a double marker like you try and stop him before he builds up momentum in the first few minutes but you're not telling him like you know, you can't just say, lads, get in and hit him hard because sure, he he loves that like he'll react well
2: to that Yeah, absolutely, yeah yeah. He he was unique, like I mean he had an engine on him lads. He's just unbelievable, even in training he he was very competitive in in sprints and all that and uh, but he, he just he loved to put the ball in his arm and just go you yeah. know uh, and yeah. you could hop off of him, hop yeah. off of him. But he made no difference to him. Made no difference to yeah. him. You know, yeah, he,
0: he he was a steam train. I think he got man at the match. That Dublin in that Dublin game as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, just just moving on there, Turlock, um Just to the downs. I think uh, Kieran might want to discuss these with you. <laughs> um, I think in two thousand and nineteen uh, you got relegated to Division Four, and there was that infamous um, match against Down. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, were there there were suspensions given out to, uh, I think, yourself, uh, Stevie and Brendi Morphy. Um, mm-hmm. th- that, that would have been one of the, the,
2: the downs, would it? I mean, the whole relegation as well. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, again, it's fine margins too. Like, you know, um, we got to Division 3, something we're really looking forward to. We really felt got to Division 3, you could get to Division 2. Right? There's not a huge difference between 3 and 4, really. Um, we were we were quite confident we we're going to do well. Uh, started again, you know, you hate being negative and giving out referees and so on. Like, but there's a huge impact in our year. Like uh, the performance of referees. Like the for, very first game against Westmead, uh, we got a draw on Mullen but we should have won the game. Um, last minute of the game, Sean Murphy. I remember talking about. Runs through the heart of the Westmead defence and is pulled down to the ground from behind on the nearly the 20 metre line. It, it's a it's a gimme for Paul Broderick to win the game. No free, no free, no black card. It's it's just it beggars belief how these things can happen. It was the, one of the most blatant examples of a of a foul. We drew the game, so we're coming out and we're, we're saying, look, okay, we'll take a draw in in Mullingar, like, but that point costs us the costs us the Relegation, really, and the same repeated itself. Then, you know, we 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 played awfully above uh, in Tullamore when we were beaten by four or five points that day. But some of the decisions, the cards that we were getting that day, Brendan Murphy got a, a card that day. Let's, uh, he was taken out of it, and he got he got the card for for for, for supposedly, even though he was the one playing the ball away uh, for barging into his opponent. Like, but he was taken out of it, like and. Uh, that happened uh, with, with five or six lads in cards that day we uh, sitting off on yellow cards and black cards and uh, the same referee again against Down uh, two games later, you know. Um I just don't know how these appointments were made, quite honest with you. Um his performance that day against Down I thought was shocking. Um, Down were under ops at the end of the game. Uh were happy with the draw themselves as said it was afterwards. And uh, you know. How he played on, you know, at five minutes of extra time and then gave a free for a non-foul out in the midfield. Maybe he thought it wouldn't be hit over the bar, but uh, it was popped over the bar to win the game, like, you know. Um, down down went out at Dr. Cullen Park, Pink and they were promoted. It was the yeah, second-last yeah. game in the league and they were playing Loud in the last game. And I would say they got a hell of themselves and lost to Loud in, in, in Uri afterwards. Uh, and they were denied promotion. But, uh, you know, we were very, very... We were absolutely furious, obviously. Furious what happened, you know. Um, some of the suspensions were really, really outrageous. Um, I put my hand up. I deserve to be suspended, no question of that, you know. But the suspension I got was, was absolutely... Think you
0: Twenty,
2: You got 20 weeks? I got did 20 you? weeks. I got 16 weeks originally. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan got suspended for asking him a question at the end of the game. That was all. There was nothing more to it than that. He got he got a hefty suspension. Stevie likewise, uh I was the one most on I was most skilled I did lose control um and crossed the pitch and uh I did berate the referee. Um went down the tunnel and uh I went into the referee's room and I did give to the referee in the referee's room, but the referee's report uh Said that I had kicked in the door, which was an, an absolutely slanderous uh, statement. You know, uh, there was a video camera outside the door that proved it didn't happen, and I appealed. It the, I appealed the suspension, and I got next to four weeks. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know how that works. We proved it was wrong. Um, the whole disciplinary process is definitely of an overhaul. You know, we 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 went to the DRA. We won the first case before the DRA. And the extraordinary thing is that the chairperson of the, uh, the, the hearings committee who who we were, were appealing against, uh, he completely disrespected the DRA, uh, stormed over the meeting, and off he goes, and not a word about it, uh, and he's appalling the, the disciplinary process. And yet we, in the heat of the moment and the match, lose our heads, lose our lose our position in Division Three and we get hammered with suspensions. Like, I don't know, I don't have any other team that got suspensions like that. I saw a lot worse happening. Uh, I saw a lot worse happening in televised games. We've heard it, we've heard the the the, the microphones picking up the, the audio in, in games. And because of the, the teams that were involved, not much seemed to happen, you know? So it does seem to be, you know, the lower ranked teams mm-hmm. I made an example of basically, you know.
1: So it's it's interesting because I saw a clip. You, you may have seen it. A clip of Frank Lampard and and Jurgen Klopp there last week in in one of the, the second last game when Liverpool won the, the Premier League and and Lampard, you can clearly hear him berating the fourth official and the assistant referee and also Klopp and using very colourful language. And yeah. Yeah. but it, it in in professional football. It's it's kind of accepted and and it's kind of accepted as people lose their cool in the heat of the moment and it's a game of football and afterwards everybody shakes hands and and says you know yeah, so, yeah. sorry about that
2: I didn't mean to go step
1: over the line yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. And
2: and then, like look, that. There's, there's a lot of merit in, in treating it like that you know because there when you are in the heat of the moment and you are in the in the in the battle like and you put so much on on you know into this game and on the line and it's been taken away from you, like by by mm. very very poor officiating. It's very hard to take it, you know, and you've no grounds for appeal, and nor do you really want grounds for appeal, like, But you do want it to be recognised, you know. Look, I made a mistake here, like, and the biggest frustration I find is when referees won't speak to you. They're the ones that we have a problem with. Uh, the referees I will tell you, you know, what happened, uh, or will put you in your place. Even you, respect them for it, but these guys who just ignore you, just. Yeah. record you and, and report and and know because, because they go to the rule book and they quote the rule. They don't quote what what you said or did they quote the rule to make sure that you get the maximum suspension. That's that's not yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's it's interesting because
1: we I suppose we experienced something similar in rice right slip We always felt that as a smaller team or weaker team, it was very easy to make decisions against those lower ranked teams and and especially we were based in London and, and everything like that and we were probably on the end of a few dodgy um, decisions yeah. and I actually created clips from a few games and I sent them to Fergal McGill who I know in Crow Park and I said, well look, respectfully i'm asking your opinion and i'm asking sorry i'm asking for the referee's opinion about well why was this given and why was that not given and you know these very important moments and i think until we get to a kind of stage like that where you can like you say Ask the official, well, why did that happen? You know, I I, I they and they can see that you're hyped up, yeah. but they can understand
2: that, well, this is the heat of the moment, isn't it? Yeah. And then maybe you can learn from it. Then if you know what I gave it for, you might be able to learn from it, but but they can't figure out what the what, what was in their head when they did it, you know. And, yeah. yeah. But the whole the whole process of appointing referees and uh the assessment of referees in particular is is a big uh bone of contention for me because I saw I saw a, an assessment from the Offaly game that year. <clears throat> I got a suspension that year too against Offaly. <laughs> Again, Offaly. We were in contention for promotion that year, and Offaly hit a free, and it must have been three, four yards wide. the The linesman stood behind the free taker, kicking the free. The, the umpire waved a flag. We went ballistic on the sideline, and the referee never questioned it. I never asked the linesman. Never consulted with him. Obviously, it was a problem, uh, but did nothing about it. And after the game, I ran onto the pitch after the game. I ran over to him and says, "I pointed." I said, "You never consulted the linesman," and I got a one suspension. You know, so it it, it is yeah, just yeah. so hard to take it
1: How How did you feel just moving on a little bit? Like some of the media, or some of the national media, there could have been like there was a running feud between Stevie Poacher and Colin Parkinson. It seemed like, and you know, and different characters, and and in ways it's tricky because when you're outside the bubble, and like uh, myself and Joe were outside the, the Carlo bubble, and mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, you could kind of sit back and kind of you know you could laugh about it and get <laughs> yeah. a bit of entertainment. And Joe, like Joe, obviously knows knows Stevie. Um, and, and we know, know him as well, and, and Colin Parkinson, and it was kind of funny. But for you, like, did you feel that it was a very Irish thing in that the media and everybody has built up Carlo and the Carlo rising, only waiting in some ways for it to see the fall, you know, to see the promotion, but then, well, get back down to
2: Division Four now where you belong? Uh, I, no, I wouldn't see it quite like that now. Uh, most of the media were very, very fair. Um, I would have no issue with, with 90% of the media, they were excellent, uh, really, really good, uh, impartial, uh, I had no issue whatsoever, the report of what happened, um, we didn't have a leg to stand on, uh, we were guilty of the crime, and we had to do the punishment, the punishment was a bit, on, a bit over the top, mind you, but uh, no issue with that. But some of the people in the media, now, you know, I mean, a lot of these podcasts, not Obviously not this one of course, but <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of these podcasts are sensational and you know you have the few that like Joe Brawley and Parkins who are sensational like you know and I don't think many, anybody takes too much heed of what they say most of the time you know they're, they're controversial and in ways it's good that they are controversial because uh, they, are, they do create talking points of time and they do take alternative points of view and uh, they can be very articulate the pair of them uh, to be honest with you and they can do some really, really good stuff, uh, to give their due, you know. But Stevie and and Braden didn't hit off. Of course, Stevie didn't hit off at Leash People in general anyway. Sorry, Leash People didn't hit off at Stevie, I suppose. <laughs> like they're more through to the point, you know. Uh, Stevie, I suppose, comes across on the sideline as being this agitated uh, nutcase on the sideline. At uh, uh, times, I'm trying to keep him quiet, at times, he's trying to keep me quiet. Um, and Sometimes he gets involved uh bit with spectators and he shouldn't get involved and and that kind of grated people and mm. um part of picked up on it of course because he's to the backbone mm-hmm. and uh, um he 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 relished in all of this and of course the car leash rivalry then as well so he 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 zoomed in on it like and, and really made a big issue out but you know uh look it was controversial I don't think there's anything uh, wrong with that uh no, I don't think there's such thing as bad publicity, honest with you. You know, um, Carla were, I suppose, really for a team that were operating in division four, uh, one year in division three, we got an unbelievable um amount of media coverage. Mm. Most was very positive. Um, yeah. you know, you talked to Carla rising, like, but but we embraced the media. I thought we, I thought we did it, I thought we treated the media very, very well ourselves. I think there's a thing in the G at the moment where. Uh, managers have lost the role of themselves and they're denying access to, to players and to management teams. And I think there's an obligation on all of us to engage with the media because we're trying to promote the game. Yeah. Particularly in Carlo, we felt it was really important that we got the county behind us. We didn't get to step to the ever in the past and we wanted to make sure that we maximise it and we use it to promote the game in the county, really. like And we promoted, I suppose, we were looking at, from my perspective, we were looking at our... Or self-image uh with a very very poor self-image in Carlo, we were losers basically and uh, we didn't have it um our expectations were very low and your expectations are always fulfilled and so we were trying to change that and the media was a big part of that so we embraced the media we allowed them access to players we told players to speak freely uh, uh don't be stupid to speak freely say what you feel and uh you know, when you compare that to a lot of the top teams now, where all the media interviews are only uh, sponsorship events, mm-hmm. really like, and you have a press conference, if you like, where all the news media get the same interview, I think that's a disaster for the GA, quite honestly. Yeah,
1: yeah it's terrible. We had, we had a really interesting episode right back at the beginning with, with uh, Michael Foley from the Sunday Times and Declan Bogue. Um, freelance journalist and it it was very interesting to see from the media's point of view and like they they said exactly what you said of that those player interviews are boring like there's nothing said nothing in them and from the outside and we tried to we tried to do it also with London it looked like Carlo were having fun it looked like the players enjoyed themselves and like I remember a video of you having beers on the bus after being promoted to Division 3 and it looked like this is an enjoyable thing to be involved
2: in the journey. Yeah, well it was because, to be honest with you, we took a very uh, relaxed attitude to, you know, to discipline and that. We didn't, we didn't have any rules really, to be honest with you. I don't think players nowadays that are involved in the county scene need to have rules set for them. You know, they're putting so much into it, they're so into their fitness, their condition themselves, Uh, they know that they've got to be in top class condition to play the county football nowadays and they're not going to mess around because they're mm. not going to get anywhere. Um they're going to show up in fact, they're going to be humiliated if that happens, you know. So that day is gone really. And we, we felt there was no need to have any rules. We felt it was important to enjoy it. We had great crack. Steve had a great personality too, you know, and he loved the crack with the players and uh, he would be rising the whole time, you know. Um yeah. yeah. So there was always that banter going on between us yeah. all, you know, and um very relaxed before games. We were really, really relaxed before games. No tension. Um, we, I suppose, our our format would have been, you know, we'd train as normal Tuesdays and Thursdays, and uh, pre-game we would video. Steve would do some video analysis before games. I have to say it was the best video analysis uh, I've ever seen. got honest with you, it was. It was very, very um, apt. Uh, it was very short. It was to the point. Uh, so we're always very focused going into the game, but we're always at a very relaxed camp. We have a bit of grub and a bit of crack. And, um, you know, there was no, there was no, there was no um, chore about coming to training. Mm. Uh, you enjoyed yourself in training. There was no one roaring and shouting at you, unless it was in a good way. Um, you know, it was a very, very positive camp that way. Um, I think
0: one of the things, Tarlec, I think it seems from the outside is that you, you kind of trust your players to do the right thing. You know, by giving them that free reign with the media. Yeah, and, you know, putting, putting up things on social media and yeah. all and so forth. But ju- just come back to that Colin Parkinson thing. Um, I think sometimes he might have been critical of Stevie. Stevie's coaching even. You know, he might have always said he's oh, yeah, yeah, defensive yeah. coach. Which couldn't be further from the truth. If you've ever watched uh, Stevie taking a session, the sessions okay. are unbelievable. Correct. And everyone will tell you that right. up in the north. Um, and I think he might have said to Colin Parkinson, if you want to come and watch a training session, Come and watch the training session. I think that's how I open you you guys were in terms of the media that's right, and that's so right. on. And just just on Stevie as well. Um, you know, for, for twenty years ago, when I emailed Stevie to send me some um, you know coaching drills or phases of play or whatever, Stevie's very very happy to share his knowledge and share yes. his information. And that was like twenty years ago. So Stevie, right. Stevie's one of the best coaches in Ireland. And Absolutely. you know, as you said earlier in, in the podcast, you know, you you've seen him at that. Uh, at that session that he took and you wanted to ask him because you knew another county would come in for him. Do you think that was one of the final, final pieces in the
2: jigsaw? Absolutely, the yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, there's no question it was, yeah. Um, getting Steve board was a huge factor. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that, you know. And, you know, I went to work closely with John Morrison and I could see in Stevie a lot of the traits that John Morrison had uh, in terms of how we thought about the game and I was of the same opinion myself. Um, all our sessions were were, were games-based. Uh, they were tactical. We did very little physical on, on the pitch. It was all with the ball. Um, but Stevie, Stevie was a phenomenal coach. Great personality, which is really important in a coach, you know, that you can talk to people, relate to people. Because this really is a people business if you like we're all dealing with people all the time and, and uh, relationships are very important you know you don't get on with everybody but uh, i think if you respect everybody uh you get it back in spades and uh stevie stevie's uh coaching was certainly it's up there with, with anybody i would say you know um but parkinson did take this thing that we were very late he, he was right. he was i had the go Carol really and had the gold stevie as well they did get under that he was doing this alright you know um, but, and, he, and he probably he probably shouldn't have reacted maybe at times if he did but look at her it was all part of him yeah. I, I, think what, I think what happens as well
1: is that the opposition fans and the opposition team and subs and stuff like that they always want an enemy on the opposition so like when I was playing with Wexford everyone hated Matty Ford because Matty had bleach blonde hair he was brilliant he, like, would gesture up to the crowd if he had to, or the man beside him. So, like, you know, Stevie, by interacting with the crowd and stuff like that, at mm-hmm. times, you know, yeah, that,
2: the, that, the that's... The hands-on Villa, uh, villain,
1: you know? Uh, that's exactly. Be, uh, exactly. So, uh, exactly. I, I mean, I I had a run-in with Stevie, all right, in Ryslip when, uh, when he was chatting to the players, and I felt, well, look... Don't 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 be talking to the London lads, you know. And that that was that was one, that was one thing I felt because I'd say, well, don't you know? You look after. To
2: be fair, I don't think he ever really said anything to players. That was I don't think he did. That was out of yeah the ordinary. Yeah, no,
1: exactly. Well, what what, what what do you think, Turlock It's interesting because all that you say there about how to get that team together and the atmosphere and the environment, like, is it overplayed? in the media, but also in people's minds about the importance of the manager and, like, how much success and failure
2: is down to the manager? Oh, look, I, I just laugh at this, i be honest with you. I think it's failing in the media, actually. they our, our top sports journalists, I suppose, are looking across the water as well at the premiership, and they see themselves as the equivalent of Sky or, you know, the English newspapers and... uh the way the game has gone over there it's very much focused on the, these managers that come in and big personalities and Mourinho and all these guys and uh, they're kind of treating the GA much the same way and I, I just think that they've, I think they're missing, they're missing the point completely like it's, it isn't about the manager really quite honest with you you know I mean managers don't kick any ball you know uh, it's the players really it's ultimately it's about the players and professional sports is very I suppose it's driven by money and it's driven by you know, individuals and, um she is not like that. It is really much more grounded, you know, I think. And um, I just think this building up, and the manager is important. There's no question. He might set the tone, maybe, you know, yeah. in, in the county. And um, But we have this tendency to demonize them and glorify them, uh, you know, at the same time in, in the media. Like for instance, the root of all problems in the GA are the managers. Mm-hmm. The managers are responsible for the club versus county conflict. The manager responsible for, you know, uh, the way the game has gone, uh, you know, destroying football. Uh, you know, football was probably never as good as it is now. Uh, you know, you look yeah. back at the old videos, there is no comparison. Even the great Kerry and Dublin teams of, of the seventies um, wouldn't live with that Dublin team at the moment, or, or the Tyrone team. And, you, you know, and and we, you know, we're, we demonize managers then with with all these things, and and, and it's just. It's nonsense, really, like, you know. Um, likewise, you know, the manager's responsible for all the success in the county. And it's, it's not really, you're, you're, you're really just there to facilitate others. Um, I suppose when I started um, with the county, you know, it would have been a small crew, but suddenly you realised you needed more people more people. And it was probably 18 to 19 people in our backroom team uh, very quickly, you know, between, it's the small things that matter. Like, I mean, the kit man, the water man. If yeah. any of those guys are missing, yeah. we have a problem. Yeah. It's not the manager. This is the guy with the water. You need your water. You need your kit. Uh, you could say they're, they're small jobs, but they're important jobs. Yeah. And and they do their job very, very well. And I always think of that story of um, JFK visiting Cape Canaveral before they, they went to the moon. And the first person he met was the cleaner in, in, in the hallway. And he says, what do you do here? So he... I'm sending, I'm helping to send a man to the moon, he said. That's what he said. Because obviously, cleanliness was a huge factor in the laboratories and so on and, and so on. And, and it's likewise with, 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 with an inter setup. Everybody's a job to do and if they're not doing their job, there's a piece of jigsaw missing. Yeah. Uh, the manager's only one of those pieces of the jigsaw as well. And yeah. uh, I think we lose sight of that, you know. As I said yeah. to you, we have a waterman there and a, a kitman. They're there 25 years, I think, uh, with Carla to take thick and thin, and uh you know how do you put a value on people like that like they don't get the recognition they deserve to deserve all the focus is on the manager i I found this difficult at times to be honest with you even though i kind of embraced it uh, people think you love the media i don't particularly like it but it's part of the job that was the part of the manager's job was to deal with the media um but i just think it's it's overplayed big time you know um obviously you know you are a big part of it like but it's, it's not about the manager, really but I suppose, think, I
1: suppose you're steering the ship ultimately aren't you like you, you, you there are different decisions yeah, you well, have to make and all but but facilitating the players
2: ultimately you know yeah, well, i think that the, i think i think the biggest thing you're there for me to me is the culture yeah in, in yeah. the team you, you decide the kind of culture you want in, in the team really and that's the most important thing and I suppose coaching styles and management styles are very important. And uh, it's but it's equally true to say that you will have success with an authoritarian type of manager and with a manager who is all over the players. And like we say, the comparison I make would be John Wooden, the basketball, great basketball coach, would have been a, just a fantastic player-centered coach. Mm. And Vince Lombardi in American football who would have been ruthless, uh, both very successful in in two different sports, two different styles, uh, but in in terms of football, that authoritarian style will only work in the short term, and you might have immediate success, but you won't have the long term because players will not listen to that long term, especially nowadays. And I think your job is to facilitate and create a culture in a team that it's a healthy culture that players feel that you understand the demands that are on the players. Uh, I've I've found that. Uh, and actually, I suppose, except as Steve, would have had a few arguments over this. Uh, mm-hmm. I would be very cognizant of the demands on players, particularly, say, young students uh, travelling up and down for training, under pressure with exams, maybe part-time work, guys in jobs, uh, maybe shift work and so on. And at times, you wouldn't have everybody in the field that you wanted in the field. Uh, but you have to put football in, in context in their lives. And I think the players really appreciated that because they were given that little bit of trust, that they weren't abusing it, but that uh, you saw that they were more than a footballer. They were Mm -hmm. a person as well. I I think that's really important. And uh, we had a very happy camp as a result, you know, and um, they're small things, I think, but they're huge things at the same time because it is very demanding on your time nowadays to be involved in football. uh, there has to be leeway given the players I think at different times during the year and it's different for everybody and it's frustrating at times when you're trying to manage and coach when you don't have the numbers that you want to have to you know, yeah. a particular session or a key player is missing and uh, look you've just got to trust your players you know and John Wooden always said the coach's best friend is the bench and let's do the ultimate decision to make you pick the team yeah. so what more power do you need yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, I think um, <clears throat> in the past, I think you've said, uh, Tarlik, that, uh, you have said, Tariq, that you'd rather be a coach, kind of coach, yeah. that, than a manager. Absolutely. I know a manager is a kind of different ball game than, than being a coach. Yeah. In, in terms of manager, what what do you think were your biggest challenges, or what are the biggest challenges being a manager of of that Carlo team with kind of the limited resources and still being able to compete with the better teams that have more resources? What do you think yeah, the challenges that's... were?
2: Challenges, I suppose. uh that's the biggest challenge I would have faced, uh, and any manager coming to Carl would have faced would be um the expect the expectations were so low uh, of ourselves. Uh the self belief was so low. Um that was the biggest challenge I would have had, I would say, was trying to change that. To get continuity, get players to commit uh, long term, that they weren't coming in for a year and dropping out, and coming in for a year and dropping out, and we achieved that to a large extent. That we got it, we got great continuity to the panel, uh, that was really important. Um, obviously, you know, the issues you had then would be resources are a huge problem for a county like Cardiff. You know, I mean, there's club teams with better resources than than we have. And having said that, you know, they're not everything and you're coming from a sports science background here. And I have two lads who've done sports science degrees and yeah. I have another chap who's a PE teacher. And uh it's not to be all an end all either, like you know, and no, no, no. at the end of the day, it's about making do with what you have. Um, for instance, we didn't have GPS. Yeah, I see cooking is going up with them. And uh, you know, it can be a great tool if you have the people who can use it properly, uh, or it can be a waste of time and a distraction if you don't have that. So and we kept it very simple, really. Uh, we worked with what the budget had, I suppose, you know. Um I suppose, you know, there's a lot made out of the time you put in as a county manager and a declare, but equally, a county officer has equally got to put in the same amount of time and for less, maybe less, what's it, glory, like, but you're not in the media uh, in the media eye like we are, uh, but they have to do all the dirty work in the background to they have got to raise the money very different thing to do with a county like Carnot because we don't have big backers up for the game, really, you know. A lot of the counties are very fortunate. They've got really good support. We don't have that. So we're working off a much lower base than most counties. Plus, we're a, a genuine dual county. And County board Trade, both codes, the same. And uh, they should do that. We have no issue with that. Like. But I suppose the issues there then at... The system is set up against us, to right, be honest with you. That's one of the big issues for us. Not just Carlo, anybody in the lower sixteen, I would say. The systems are set against us. Uh, the competition structures are—they're they're, favorite, the strongest. I mean, if you look at the structure of the championship, you see Cork and Kerry have a by—you know—for years and years they've had a, a free pass to the quarterfinals. Yeah, Gallo and Mayo, the same story. You know, so there's a lot of inequality in the system already, and you're fighting against that. Um, there were the big challenges. Um, I know you're getting players out, uh to be quite honestly. Yeah, we got a great great level of commitment from players. Um there's very little, very little in the way of um falling falling out with players at any stage. Mm. Maybe one or two maybe now and again might have been disappointed, not getting runs and so on, but that's inevitable. Um How Turlock,
1: how 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 important did you think it was being a Carlo man, and, and oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're a very proud Carlo man. You, you cycle the back roads of Carlo, you know every historical monument. <laughs> how, how important is that? And, and, oh. and, and, on, and on the flip side, like, are there issues there with people going into different counties or go to numerous, multiple counties? Or what, what, how, how do you feel about that?
2: Look, I've always said uh, it doesn't matter where you're from if you're good enough to do the job, that's the most important thing. Uh, you can be from County Down, from County Carlow, but you've got to be good enough to do the job. That's the first yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I do feel though, that in a county like Carlo, where we've had multiple uh, yeah. outside managers who came in, got a few bob, left in a worse place than it was beforehand, that we did need to go back and uh, start inside ourselves. Mm. Um, we needed somebody who knew uh, what was in the county, who knew the clubs, who could deal with the clubs, uh, get players in from the clubs. Like we would have started, like we started on uh, winter mornings with 95, 100 players out for a seven-a-side tournament um, in Fen our training centre. And we got great buy-in from the clubs. And that was really important. I got that, I think, because it was in Carlo, it was from Carlo. Uh, I was going to give everything I had to make this right. And um, I think that was very important at that time.
1: Yeah.
2: It's not necessarily the right decision all the time, yeah. um, but it was at that time that it was very important. Um, but I do think there are a lot of journeymen out there that are, I don't know, they're bluffers in many ways to be honest, which mm-hmm. <laughs> get away with it, uh, more important, but uh, one of the challenges I would have had would have been, would have been as I say, I started out coaching and managing, and, and, and it was to realize you can't do it all, and you've got to delegate and um, and trust people. And I was very fortunate to say to you that I had a good had a good management team around me, great guys in the back room team like, like Tommy Wogan, Benji O'Brien, um um Damian Sheehan, you know, Stephen and recently Stephen Amara came in and didn't last very long because of COVID, unfortunately for Stephen and um, Darren Leonard, Simon Ray like, they're all good lads, you know, that, that yeah. have come in and, and, and yeah. were part of the whole thing, you know. So yeah. time yeah. a time the, the time commitment is a huge challenge for anybody going into the county management and Unfortunately, yeah. at this point in time, I'd say it only suits teachers or people who are retired maybe you know. Um, yeah,
0: it's just, yeah, it's
2: become too too on on engrossing, really, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah there, there's that figure going about about uh, the county player on average. What is it, thirty one hours a week? He, yeah, like yeah. uh, for for county managers, you're kind of looking at 50 60 hours a week. Is that yeah, true? I and
2: obviously yeah, as well, no, sometimes I think managers exaggerate that too, like you know, right. <laughs> it makes it being more important and uh, irreplaceable, really. You know, yeah. but there is a lot of time, I suppose it's time in your head, maybe more than
0: yeah, thinking you
2: know, about it. We're thinking about it and uh, wondering about the opposition and your own mm-hmm. players. Maybe I would spend a lot of time going to. Club games in other counties, uh, particularly for a championship or a uh, new team in the league. Like I spent a few Sundays up in Sligo, and for instance, they were they were playing club championship and going to look at teams down in Wexford and uh, counties you wouldn't be familiar with. You know that you wouldn't know the players and uh, just getting a feel for it, and a feel for the county as well. I like, think was really important. You know, stuff like that eats up your time. You know, and, and it's not part of your job spec as much, really. You know, but you do yeah. go, go the extra mile to do that. You know. Um, the media as it was then again too was was a big thing like I was coming from I was on non-radio I suppose and, and suddenly uh, particularly because we played Dublin in in 2017 there and a uh, the huge media focus on you yeah, Everybody wants a bit of your time and uh, I gave it winningly to be honest because I felt it was very important uh, we got massive we got massive publicity out of it you know so we we, we, we absolutely Relished it really to be honest with you. It, it did a lot for Carol, I think for our self image that we were suddenly being run, we're on, we're on the Sunday game, we were on Sky, we're, we're suddenly we're the darlings of the media, you know. So that was a very important part of it. And we, we uh, at times it takes a lot of your time, and 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 uh, but look at it's it's just part of the job. But, but
1: what isn't the point about the media? And, and some analysts I'd see comments then would say that, well why do you feel it's so important to be in the media or on the Sunday game or in the interviews? But like it's obvious that it's not you n- nobody's doing it for that, obviously. It's no. you're you're and we had the same issue with London and we took the same approach actually in that you're looking to promote the game. So like if if people are talking about Carlo Carlo yeah. rising well, bloody
2: brilliant around the c- country. That's what it's about. That, that, that's the way we approach it. This was about promoting the game in and, mm-hmm. and it's very good for the players as well, for self confidence, self belief. Yeah. We're, suddenly, we're suddenly playing football uh, on television with Dublin and Tyrone yeah. and Monaghan. And, uh, and
1: for, for kids to see that and everything yeah, in Cardo
2: yeah, Cardo I, as well. It did have a huge impact, no question. Mm-hmm. I mean, players became instantly recognizable. The Carlo jersey was everywhere, and uh, that was unheard of before. Andy, I'd say O'Neill's never sold fifty jerseys in a year up to the, up to then. Um, yeah. And suddenly there's seven thousands. Quite honest with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it did have a big impact locally, you know, and it did have a big impact outside of football as well because people felt good about Carlo. Uh, I'm proudly from Carlo, um, and suddenly realised I think began to realise you know we've not a lot of for in in this county that we 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 didn't realise we had you know um, yeah,
1: yeah So, well, uh, it, it, it's interesting to Turlock because when when I was back involved with Weckford and that, that was in the noughties let's say, Carlo were our near neighbours and they were our whipping boys, they yeah. were our team that we used to play in the Bourne yeah. Cup try yeah. out new players and that was preparation for us to go on and play Dublin, Mead, Kildare Leash etc yeah. and it was kind of it it was an afterthought and and like i remember even paul Beelum was our manager in wetford for a couple of years and and uh, i got on very well with paul and we were up at an all the all stars event the gpa all stars event and he he was at it and he had just been announced as the manager of the carlo team and now i didn't get involved in it because i i, I really like paul personally but some of the other lads were there the wetford lads and they were slagging him about down in carlo and you know what are you doing down there and in Division? I don't know was it two B or whatever? Yeah, two B. Yeah. yeah, but I mean my 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 club horse would the barometer for us was friendly games against Rogue and Hens and yeah. like you were you were probably manager at that stage when we used to go up there. We used to play against you guys.
2: Well, certainly two thousand five onwards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Two thousand five. That would have been around that period, and we always felt well, if we could perform against the likes of Airog, we have a great chance in the Wexford Championship. You know, so the club scene was strong
2: there, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it was. And this is the thing, like what you just said there about how Wexford players felt about playing Carroll. I knew that. that That's how those counties around us felt about it. And I felt insulted by that, quite (laughs) honest with you. Who do these guys think they are? (laughs) Who do they think they are? What makes them so much better than us? They're only across the line of the map. (laughs) <laughs> and we played them club football we kicked them off the park usually <laughs> and, and this, this has to change really. this has to change and, and there was no respect for Carlo really. there wasn't and, and that seeped into ourselves though, into our own mentality as well and we started believing this and this this image this, this self expectation was fulfilled every time we're useless mm-hmm. and we had to change it because I remember I remember playing with Carlo and we got on a bus to go to Limerick in the National Football League. We had only 14 players and Tom Cullen was captain. And he said, no, we're not going to look for anybody. We am give a walk over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember a going to London and player breaking his arm, a bouncer breaking his arm like before a game. And one of the players been in been in a police cell the night, that night. Um, I remember players going to Donegal to play National Football League and stopping off and I think it was Kerry and Shannon, or and, and uh, everybody, manager, everybody involved. Partying all night, like so, it had become a bit of a joke, you know. And this, for anybody who's serious about the football, and I would be very serious about my football, always was all my life. Uh, I was, felt this was humiliating for Carlo, really, and mm. had to stop, really, you know. And we, you know, really, I it was as much about getting self-respect as anything else, you know, that mm. Wicklow, Wexford, Leash, Kildare, you know, that's, uh, you know, there's no difference between us, really, like, yeah. only in our heads, you know. And so that was really, that was really a challenge for us, you know.
0: Yeah, 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 Um, yeah, um Just, um, just moving on there, uh, Tarlik, I know I'm very mindful of, of your time. Um, you you mentioned the uh, championship structures there about the kind of inequalities in the structure of the championship, and um, I know that you're an advocate for keeping for keeping it, but not having a tiered a tiered championship. I think maybe you could clarify more. But I know that Kieran, I know that Kieran himself is for a tiered championship.
2: We're going to have a fight here, Joe. We're going to be different. I, I saw that one for Kieran's I saw that one for Kieran. I thought we can have a British championship over beyond. And,
1: and,
2: uh... <laughs> we can play against Scotland it's and uh, Lancashire. So
0: you think, Kieran, that, that the teams in Division 4 should get a bite at the, you know, should get get a goal Absolutely. at Sam
2: McGuire. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I honestly believe this is not like hurling lads. If you go across the country, every county, in every county, there are footballers of an inter-county standard. There are very, very good club teams in every county. In every county, there are very good club teams. And uh, football is played to a very high level in most counties, very well organized in most counties. And unfortunately, we don't get the same resources as the top teams do. And instead of looking at how can we improve football in the weaker counties, we decide to segregate it. And knock them, knock them down a perch, and forget about them. And make no mistake: when we get to that stage where we have a tiered championship, and we're cut off from playing the Dublins and Meads and Tyrone's and everybody else, and we get we're back to two lines in the bottom of the paper, and then one in the morning, we'll soon have a situation where players, ah, why would it bother? Because you're going to put in the same effort to, to compete in that as you would in the in the All Ireland series. Make no mistake about it. And everybody thinks, well, this will be great. There's a final in Croke Park for the winners, for the two top teams in in the second tier. But the reality is that I would say that second tier would probably be dominated by the top three or four teams from the top of Division 3. And the likes of Carl and London might never get to a tier uh, tier two final. And now you've got the worst of both worlds. You can't compete in the Ireland Series, and you're not going to win anything. And you're going to have nobody going to the games, no coverage. And we're going to end up with a, you know, with the, the, they 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 the, proclaim this tier hurling has been a great success. I don't see it that way. Hurling uh, is very uneven in the country. In the country, you know, there's a, there is there is a big divide north and south of a Dublin Galway line, and everybody else. Um, and I think Ulster hurling has actually been badly affected by it. But uh, I think the solution is to me, and I think we've got a glimpse of it in the last few months uh, here now, with with the, with the, with the COVID has enforced uh, the club scene on us. I think we have to make a really hard decision. First thing I think they should do, they should go back to their rule book and look at the front of the rule book and what is the GA all about? Because I think this is this is missed big time in Croke Park moment. what is the GA all about? And I think we have lost sight of that. I think we've become very much corporate GA uh, in our outlook. And uh, that has to be re-, re-, re reevaluated. I think. And we have to decide, are we a games-based, player-based organisation or are we about the elite uh, we need to make the decision first and foremost and put that back in front of the rule book because as it is, we're not fulfilling what the rule geo set up for, in my opinion. The way to solve it, in my opinion, is this because we won't agree on, on, on challenges structures at the minute, but you've got to put a time limit on the inter-county on the county scene. You've got to decide it's going to be 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever it is. That is the window for inter-county football an intercountry hurling, and you can have whatever structure you want and say that 20 weeks, and that is it. After that, it's good night, it's club for the rest of the year. It has to be that way, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Kieran, you, Kieran, you disagree, you'd rather have the tiered championship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah,
1: well, look, as you, we, we won't go into it too much no. because you know, look, we've, we've different views, Surprise, I suppose. Yeah. For, for, for Carlo, um. He had a great run, and he played all those top teams. For for London, we didn't, and and that's why we're prob- our minds are probably you know coloured by that. In that we were just scraping around at the very bottom, looking for a win, and we were happy to play any games. But now that's it's 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 probably coloured a little bit by the situation that we were in and everything like that. I suppose I'm I'm more coming from working in professional. Soccer and stuff like that Where you've got your leagues And different levels And everything like that But Look I, there, There's plenty There you go There's, there's <laughs> there plenty go. of There's plenty You're of like I, for me.
2: Thanks very much there's We have that too of, We call it National Football League <laughs> no, And the other cup Is the championship
1: <laughs> Yeah No I mean for for There's there many many problems In the structures Of the J In terms of Like in most other sports it's the league is the main yeah. competition, and you get like, Darlick, you probably would agree. The game after game after game at league, and you the beating it's brilliant. You know, you're on to the next weekend, another game. It's look, it's 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 a runaway train at the moment. The, yeah. yeah, You know, the, the issue, the issue of of Dublin and the the, the 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 migration to the you know to the urban area. Like the GA needs a plan. That's for sure. Anyway.
2: But look, they had a strategic plan 2002. It was a very good, a very good review. It was uh, yep. radical in many ways and it didn't follow through on a lot of the stuff, they probably follow through on very little, really. But yep. but there are huge inequalities in the GEA, and the likes of Dublin and Cork and the bigger counties, Kerry, can raise money independently of gate receipts, even. Um, they have huge backers, they have huge support, um, and there's no attempt within the GEA, really, in my opinion for an equalization. Uh, You know, if you go to American football, uh, the bottom team is the first pick in the draft. You go to the Premiership, or the UEFA are trying to bring in this financial fair play. Didn't work very well maybe uh, with Man City, but um, but there's a a recognition of it and there's a need for it to happen. And in an amateur organization like ourselves, I think we have to take very, very, uh, you know, Strong view on on what is happening here that uh, we have a runaway train in Dublin who are just Dublin are a Man City, Man United all together, all in one, um, and yet they're getting a lot of funding from the GA uh, that could that has that, that really as was established Dublin since 2002. That was the only thing they called a strategic review was that mm-hmm. Dublin needed support and it was right and they got it and they done a fantastic job with it, mm. uh, but the rest of the country. Now, need something you know, Uh, so there is an equalization needed there somewhere
1: along the line,
0: absolutely.
1: I think, I think, I think, sorry, Joe, I think, Turlock, as regards shortening the inter county season, like I 100% agree with that, and it needs to be clearly defined. and The GA, in my mind, the GA has to cater for the grassroots because we're a grassroots organization, and also it needs to cater for that young fella or that young woman who wants to get to the top of their game and play yeah, in front of big yeah. crowds and, and of course it's going to bring in money, Absolutely. it's going to cost money, yes. but it, it has to do it has to do both. And right. it's great that right. we're all like club people, number yeah, one. Yeah. And and that
2: is true, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think so. There are very few counter players that don't want to play with the club. Very, very few. And I think it's yeah. very wrong for any manager, you know, at the moment, and it has happened, to have their into counter players training when they shouldn't be training. I think this is absolutely yeah. outrageous. It's terrible, it's outrageous. Terrible. Terrible. It yeah. it's, cr- it it's nearly a crime uh, mm-hmm. for that to happen. It should not happen. Uh, we're talking about both sides of our mouth. You know, we're, really going, we're either embracing, uh, you know, the regime that we have uh, and we support it fully or and we can't do the stuff behind closed doors and, and and try to pull over people's eyes and try to get an advantage in everybody else. Yeah. But that's creeping into the GN. It has to be stopped. But I, I really feel that... Um, if we could decide that uh, there's only an x amount of time available for the competition and then leave the clubs then to have a fair fair bit of the year for themselves, then we can have a, a really a really really good organization but yeah, go back to the structures like i do i I think the league is the, is the should be the most important competition, yeah, but maybe we should look at maybe trying to run the league and the championship in conjunction with each other uh, in that condensed season because as you know. Yeah. We are training and training and training and with no games. Uh, so yeah. if we could condense the season and have more games, I think we'd all be worse.
1: Well, Tur- Turlock, we're, we're a training-based organisation. Oh. That's where we are. Like, how many times we... What's the ratio of training session versus games? It, it, it's crazy stuff. It you crazy know. for
2: everybody. And that's for yeah. Dublin and everybody. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone's doing it, you know. It's it's and it's like you know, if Dublin are doing it, then we have to do it. You know, this, this is kind of it's a, it's a like an arms race. Yeah, it's the same with funding. It's like an arms race, and I think a lot of counties are in a position now at the moment where they cannot sustain this level of funding that they're putting into it, and yeah. there is going to be a problem here for somebody. Um, you know, that they will not be able to sustain it, and uh, rather than Everybody try to reach the standard of Dublin. Now, I now think that we need to take a step back and need to bring it back a little bit. Quite honest with you, that's why. Yeah, I sorry. Think, I think we need to uh, restrict the, the the length of the season, and we need to maybe return to an knockout competition as well. Because giving Dublin and these teams a second bite of cherry is really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think now, as you said at the beginning, there, Turlak, like, I think now we've got the opportunity to kind of do that. With, with what's happened with COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> and I think because the season is condensed now, we can give it a trial and see, see how it goes.
1: Turlock, the, the, the CPA have been in the news a lot recently, just with uh, before COVID and, and uh, the championship structure for the clubs and, and everything like that. What what are your thoughts about the CPA in general, just as an organisation and some of the work they've done?
2: Well, the first thing I'd say, I think it's an indictment of the GA that we have to have an external GPA and an external CPA. Uh, to look after our inter-county players and our club players. I think that's a big failing in the GA, that that had to happen. So that's the first point to make. Uh, the CPA, to me, I, I, I think they missed the emphasis. I, I think they shouldn't have gone for to be the Club Players Association. I really felt it should have come the Gaelic Clubs Association because I feel that while club players might be supporting what they're saying, and, and they do, but there would be maybe a lot of distrust maybe among club officials. And that uh, they kind of feel really left out of this. And I really feel that it's the clubs. It was a club association that maybe it was needed. Because I don't think clubs have really got a voice at the top. I don't think Congress fulfills that role for them. And I think they missed the trick by doing that. I think they should have evolved into a you know, clubs association. But their point, that they're needed at the moment. Uh, because someone has got to speak for what's happening in relation to the fixture programme. And what's happening for club players. We all know it's a joke that players are training from maybe from... February or even January, in some cases, and not playing championship football till in some counties until the county's going to a jam So
0: yeah. that's, not,
2: that's not right, it's not healthy, lads. It's not good for the GEA. Um, it's, 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 a di-
1: it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because they're going to find it hard to mobilize their members. It's a lot easier for the, the GPA to do it because they have smaller numbers and they're more integrated into the system and the setup. Whereas the CPA is very loose, isn't
2: it? The thing is, yeah, and it's obviously, it's not funded. Uh, the GPA yeah. is funded significantly by the GA, uh, yeah. which, is a, which is a big bone of contention for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's it's they're doing a lot of good work for well-being for players and so on and represent, representing them, but at a huge financial cost to the GA, I would say, you know, and there are question marks about that. Is it efficient? Um, but again, they're doing the an important job that, uh, had to be done because when they were formed players were very poorly treated by, mm. by the official body and uh, they've addressed that to an large extent maybe over addressed maybe even at times um, yeah. but uh, I, I do think that the CPA like are are voicing a very important uh, part of the association that hasn't got representation really uh, and it's very hard for clubs to get change through the structure that we have to bring a motion to a county convention and to a provincial con- convention and then on to congress and it's not working that clearly is not working and, and the setup around congress is not healthy in my opinion i think that um it's very difficult for counties and clubs to get changed because of the way the voting structures are you've got a huge representation from overseas who have i think far too much to say in not talking about london in particular or the uk but across the world have such a an influence on decisions uh, for the game here in Ireland Uh, and I think I think it has skewed the decision making process
1: yeah it'll be interesting with the new president coming in won't it Uh, like coming over from New York
2: yeah it will yeah yeah Uh, it was a bit of surprise Um, yeah yeah, a bit of surprise, and obviously with COVID, it's it's uh, been difficult for him. I would say true. Yeah, uh, you know, so it will be interesting. He seems to be a good a GA man, um, I didn't know anything about the man before he was elected. Mm. Uh, but uh, look, we'll have to wait and see on that one.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, just finally, the the future for yourself. Uh, I know you mentioned off-air that you were up in County Down there doing a bit of cycling, um, and you know you've got a passion for cycling and so on. What what are you going to do with all this? Kind of spare time.
2: I suppose, to be truthful, since I finished up, uh, I haven't missed it um, at all. Um, of course, there was no football anyway, so um, it didn't really get the opportunity. But um, I, I, my initial thoughts were that I'd have no interest in going back and doing anything. But I was watching a webinar last weekend, and then I watched I watched, uh, Kilku and, and Bryant for the down league there, and Saturday was Friday night, wasn't it? And uh, I was kind of getting geez, was getting itchy feet again. Now. I really, really <laughs> enjoyed it, you know. And I enjoyed the webinar, it was great, you know. And uh, I wouldn't say I won't get back involved, but it'll be coaching rather than anything else. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be interested. Really in would
1: you Would you go back? Would you go with another county turlock? No, no, no,
2: no. Oh, I'd have no interest, I'd have no interest whatsoever. No, and no, I'd be in. It'll be in Carlo at club level, really. that, that's all it'll be. I wouldn't imagine any more than that. But no, I value having my time back now, to be honest with you. It's only when you're finished, you realize what you're putting into it. And we are in a bubble in there. And I think uh, maybe we're not making sacrifices, but we're making choices. But yeah. other people are making sacrifices. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. families are making sacrifices because of it. And we think yeah. we have to be very cognizant of that, of the demands you are putting on people. I think there's a lot of talk of well being in the GA and all the rest of it. But the reality is, we're on a treadmill, and not just county managers. Like I say, board officials, club officials are yeah, putting yeah. massive time into GL ads, and uh, it's not appreciated. You know, and I think we really have to, we we really have to look at what we're doing. We just can't keep. It's not normal in 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 the natural world where things just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. bigger. They divide. Things divide, and 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 you've you've more. Uh, natural growth really you know and I don't think that's what we have at the moment we just get this bigger 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 thing and, and, and it's going to explode in someone's face you know I think we need to cut back now and uh, but as I say you, you, it's only when you're out and you realize what you're putting into it and, and I've done a lot of things in the last few weeks you now that I really enjoy doing Um, I love being on the bike I love bike touring I'm not, I'm not into cycling I'm not a cyclist that you like right. uh, a competitive cycling I just like bike touring which is a different thing mm. I suppose I like mm. being on the Mara track and yeah, um, yeah. I have a big interest in, in pilgrimage routes, uh, and I have a lot of journeys I want to do. Uh, I want to do the, I want to do the Danube Way, I want to do, I want to cycle to Jerusalem. I've got to start as Rome, I've got to get to Jerusalem. I want to do a few things like that, and at some stage I hope to do that, but uh, who Brilliant. knows.
0: Could be, could be a bit dodgy in that part of the world, but never mind. Just to finish off there, again. Thanks very much uh, for, for all your time, myself and and trying to get on the podcast. You know, we try to get you on uh, for a very long time. Thanks very much for, for all the time. You've certainly left a legacy there, Carlo, and you've instilled belief and respect, you know, back in the county. And it is great to have you on today. I'm sure our listeners will find uh, your, your words very helpful to them.
2: Thanks very much, lads. Nice to be on. Uh, it's nice to have a chat about it now that, every, that everything is finished, you know, and yeah. you can relax. And I didn't really appreciate really we had done until recently uh, because um my brother um he he did a little photo book for me there recently and uh, it was fantastic he, he actually got a few he spoke to a few people he got a few quotes and uh, put them into the book and yeah. uh, when you look back at you know the games we had and the memories we've had like it's been a phenomenal time really for carnival football and it's great to be part of it i get embarrassed to be honest with you when people Hold you responsible for it because I, I don't see it that way. Quite honest, which I, I see a lot of our players and, and their background team equally, equally as responsible for what happens. You know, maybe more so. So, no, that was no it was
1: great. Mate. It was great, great, a great, a great time. And thanks. It was. Thanks, it was thanks amazing. for thanks for coming on the show. It was really it was interesting. <laughs> okay. Um,
0: thanks, man. Brilliant. Uh, okay, so uh, thanks to our listeners there for uh, tuning into the podcast. Uh, please head over to the. DSS website for all the latest content uh, that that we've up. Obviously, content goes up uh, all the time on a regular basis. And finally, I'd just like to thank uh, our sponsor again, uh, Ripped, and head over to the website and all the information will be there. Thanks for tuning in.